You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hey, Outlouders, I'm Kate Campbell, fellow Outlouder and big fan of Jessie Stevens because I wish I was as smart as her, but don't tell her that. <laughs> and I'm Hayley Willis, and we're dropping into your show to tell you about our brand new sports podcast, Here If You Need. Join us every Thursday for your weekly breakdown of all things women's sport. This episode of Here If You Need is brought to you by Golf Australia. You're not defined by a number. Is this the moment she's dreamt of her entire career? She hits the line. And there you are waving your arms, shouting from the baseline. If you need anyone, if you need, if you need. I'm here if you need. <laughs> here if you need. Running full speed. Hello and welcome to Here If You Need, Mamma Mia's first ever all-female, all-sport podcast God, I love coming first. My name is Kate Campbell. I'm a four-time Olympic swimmer. I'm currently getting back into training for my fifth Olympic Games. If I was to tell you a little bit about myself, I am an early riser, but I love a daytime nap and an afternoon coffee. And I'm so excited to be on this podcast, sharing women's sports and women's stories alongside my wonderful co-host. Thanks so much. I am Hayley Willis. I'm a sports journalist, communications manager at the Sydney Swans. I've got two beautiful children, if I'm a bit biased, Hunter and Spencer, and recently just got hitched to my wonderful wife, Fiona. And I cannot wait to talk about all women's sport with my lovely co-host, Kate Campbell. What an exciting time. What a time to be alive. Hayley, I am so excited to get into this with you. Let's talk a little bit what this podcast, Here If You Need, is about and how it came to be. Yeah, look, it's really simple. I think women's sport just needs a bigger platform. We're here to raise a platform for women's sport. We know that sport coverage in the current landscape speaks predominantly about men's sport. You can flick on the TV, you can scroll through your Instagram, listen to radio, and it's just all men's sport. And I've had enough, and I'm sure you have too. So you and I, (laughs) I've had enough. I'm throwing a tantrum. So you and I and the team here at Mamma Mia want to give everybody Friends, family, sisters, your daughter, something different, something we believe all female athletes deserve, and that is a louder voice. That's why we're here, and we're here if you need. <laughs> oh, that gag is never it's going never to get, get old. If you need anyone, if you need, if you need. You're right, we are here if you need, because women do need a louder platform and a podcast that covers all things women's sports all in one place because finding coverage for women's sport, I have to scour the internet And ain't nobody got time for that. Female athletes have long been underrepresented in sports reporting. And here, if you need, we want to correct that imbalance because all women in sport deserve to be celebrated. Well, what a first show we have coming up for you today. We are chatting to the goat of paddling, Jessica Fox. It was really challenging because on the world scene, some countries were so against it because they didn't think the women had the level to be at the Olympics. We'll take you through the weekend headlines, results and where you can catch this weekend's Women in Sport. But first... She bloody nutmegged her, went up the guts and iced it with a stinger. What? 
Well, today on the show, we'll be talking to the absolute legend Jess Fox about her canoeing and kayaking career. But if we're completely honest, we don't always know about every sport that comes our way, do we, Kate? There are just so many hails. <laughs> There's a lot of sport out there. There is. So we're going to play this game called Cheat Sheet. It's our way of helping ourselves and probably all of our listeners on how to understand sports that we don't really know about sometimes and often them. And, Kate, you don't know this, but our legendary boss, Tia, has added some jeopardy and we're going to make it a competition. Bloody love a competition. <laughs> I thought you might, just, you yeah. know, just your background. I just thought it was kind of the vibe that you go for. It's going to be a weekly competition between you and me and let's be honest, I'll probably win, but I'll give you a red hot go. Let's fire away. So first one, what does the word kayak mean? The options are A, man's boat, B, hunter's boat, C, rocking boat, D, do your best to not fall in boat. Well, I like D, but I'm going to go hunter's boat. Kind of correct. Both A and B. So I'll give you half a point. Question two. When was canoeing for women made a permanent Olympic event? At the 2020 Olympics, it was made like a permanent fixture in the Olympic program. Ding, ding. Winner. One point for you. Question three. Which of the following celebrities enjoy kayaking? A, Nicole Kidman. B, Miley Cyrus, C, Ben Affleck, or D, all of the above? Well, I feel like everyone should enjoy it at some point in their life, so I'm going to go all of the above. Correct! Yes! Well done. I knew me and Nicole had a shared hobby. What is the difference between a canoe and a kayak? A kayak, you have a paddle with blades on each side, and a canoe, you just paddle with one, and you switch sides. Um, it's kind of correct. Well, it's not really correct. Canoes are bigger and wider. So that's essentially the point of difference. And they sometimes have like benches that can seat more people if you really want to lug around a family full of people in your canoe. And kayaks, on the other hand, they're smaller and lighter, go faster, just swifter, make them perfect for recreational use. So there you go. Last question. Well, it's actually more of a challenge. Use the word slalom in a sentence. Jess Fox is lining up at the start of the kayak slalom for the 2024 Paris Olympic Games. This is the first time extreme (laughs) slalom's been included in the Olympic program. Does that count? Oh, my God. That was so much better than I expected. (laughs) I think you've done well. I think you've got four questions right. So I'll let our big boss, Tia, do the counting, but you're on fire already. All right. Can't wait for next week to have you in the hot seat. Well, we have a real treat for you on here if you need today. We have a goat in the house, an absolute living legend, Olympic gold medalist, incredible human being, the incomparable Jess Fox. Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. (laughs) It is so wonderful for you to share your time with us. We are always interested in origin stories, a little bit like Marvel is, except that (laughs) ours are real, so it's way more exciting. Can you take us back paddling? How did you get into it? How do you get into it? And your love of it? Yeah, I think it is a bit of a niche sport. Mm. And for me, it was both my parents used to compete. Both were Olympians. They met doing the sport and my mum had me and then went back to competition and was competing at the 96 Olympics. So I kind of grew up along the riverbank and we moved to Penrith where the Olympic 
Sydney Olympic Games were holding the canoe slalom events. And so I kind of, yeah, grew up with a world-class venue in my backyard and, mm. and eventually got into it when I was about 11. Originally didn't want anything to do with it. It was my parents' sport, thought it was boring, hated it. So it wasn't love at first sight then? It wasn't. I preferred swimming. Glad I didn't switch to that because I would have had no chance against Kate Campbell. <laughs> um, <laughs> and gymnastics. And then I yeah broke my arm and my physio, who's still my physio today, he said you should try paddling because it'll be good for rehab. And yeah, made a few friends who were my age. I was the I think I was 11 or 12 and that's the age you can go on the whitewater rapids. Mm, The fun part? The fun part. Up until that time, it was just flat water with my dad (laughs) trying to teach me like the good technique and I just didn't want anything to do with that. So once I got onto the fun part, it was, yeah, that was when it became really exciting and I loved it. Can I ask what you love about it? Like what draws you in? You said that you didn't like the flat stuff. What is it about the whitewater? I guess it's the adrenaline rush and especially when I was that age it was such a big challenge to overcome there was a little bit of fear and then this feeling of pride and and just satisfaction to conquer that and to get through a rapid and develop a skill. So for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about the white water events kind of mimic what rivers do right with rapids so there's like little waterfalls and turns and things like that yeah so our sport the origin is really in a natural environment a natural Mm. river usually freezing cold water coming from the mountains it was once ice so yeah natural white water is is not easy to come by in Australia (laughs) and around the Olympics they usually build artificial white water courses which mimic a natural river so we've got bollards that we can move to make different features a wave, a stopper, some some slower section, faster sections to, to keep it exciting. And I think that's what I love. I love that every session is different. I'm working on different skills, the gate combinations that we can do. Uh, uh, you know, There's so many combinations that it's never boring and there's always something to learn. You perform well in just about every area because, you know, some people are, you know, they're great as an athlete, but intellectually, you know, they might not be a top of the school kind of gal, but you're just a casual 99 um, how did you A, do that <laughs> and B, how did you do that while also juggling your professional sport? Like I said, I'm a competitive person. <laughs> no, I think um, school was always important, especially my parents, you know, wanted us to do well at school and, and to apply ourselves. And I think coming into a sport that isn't a professional sport like you know, basketball or, or NRL or, or any of those sports where you know you could make a career and, and earn a good living, it wasn't a certainty for me what would happen with my sport. So I needed to have a plan B and always study was on the plan. So in terms of getting that ATAR, I was really driven and goal-oriented and communicated well with all my teachers to just sort of let them know what I was doing and that I was going to be overseas for competition and how could they help and support me. I worked really hard for it. I think mm. I uh, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of athletes are good at time management because you've you've got to be. So I would come home from school and I'd go training for a couple of hours and then I'd come home and I'd get into study and in that time some of my friends might have just been sitting in front of the TV for a couple of hours or you know on social media. So I didn't feel like I lost too much time and I think I worked smarter rather than you know mm. pulling all nighters. Like I couldn't do that. So Jess, you are the goat of paddling. You are the greatest that we have ever seen in this sport, which is just phenomenal. And you're not even 30 yet. And I think that you reached GOAT title at like at what, 
24, 25? Um, 2018, I think. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So 24, like incredible. Can you explain there's a couple of differences in your events that you do. You do yeah. the K1 and the C1, yeah. so the kayak and the canoe. Firstly, can you talk us through that? Yeah. And then I want to get into how you championed that so that you could compete both of them at the Olympic Games because that wasn't always open to females. The main differences between the two is just the the boat that we use and the seating position and the blade. You have two different boats as yeah, well. Yeah, so I've got different boats. So I'm in a, in a seated position with my legs out in kayak okay. with footrests mm-hmm. and in the canoe I'm in a kneeling position and strapped in. Wow. And there's actually a third event that mm. I compete in now, which is the kayak cross event, formerly known as uh, Extreme Slalom. And that's like a head-to-head, four-person, yep. down a ramp, argy-bargy, like aggressive and tactical and it's very different. And that's going to be in Paris 2024, so you're going to have three events. Yeah, I mean, we don't know yet what the selection criteria will look like or the quota situation, but that would be the goal, yeah, to be in three events. Oh, my goodness. So, so exciting. And like we said, all those options weren't open to females. I think you posted a a beautiful photo on your Instagram of all the girls from the C1 event. Yeah. So like I said, it was only the kayak event for a long time. And back in 2009, 2010, we started this like development of the women's canoe category in Australia. Actually, we were sort of the pioneers and we had coaches who understood the importance of having that gender equality. And in 2013, it really took off to push to get women C1 added to the Olympic program. And so myself and a bunch of other women and a lot of other countries and and coaches really pushed for that to happen. And it was really challenging because on the world scene, some countries were so against it because they didn't think the women had the level to be at the Olympics in the canoe category. And it's kind of, I'm seeing very, a lot of similarities between, you know, the women's AFL, Mm. men's AFL, all the women's leagues at the moment, which are still new and fresh. It was the same for us. We were Mm. new, fresh, we're growing. We don't have the full support that other events had. Some women were funding their own way to the competitions, didn't have a coach. So there was a lot of lobbying involved to get people to understand the importance of Mm. having gender equality. And we finally achieved that in Tokyo. And it was such a special moment to see all those women, all the firsts representing their country there in that moment. Yeah, if you build it, they will come, but you have to build it. Exactly. You have to give the opportunities and then the level of competition will just increase. If you don't mind me asking, what's the pay? Is there a significant pay difference currently still between the men and the women in the categories? No, I mean, we're not paid in terms of like contracted athletes in a professional sport but there was prize money for like an overall world cup event and that used to be different but as soon as the event became an olympic category what was that 2017 it became considered an olympic category all the events were equal prize money i mean that's already years ahead of what surfing surfing was only recently they you know leveled the prize money i mean Mm. that's a huge step forward for the sport I am going to ask you a little bit of a personal question, if you don't mind. You travel so much Mm. for your sport. What does having a relationship look like? Can it happen? Is it possible? (laughs) (laughs) How does it work? Yeah, it's very challenging. My partner is also a paddler, so Mm. I guess that does make it 
easier in the sense that we see each other at competitions. But he's not Australian. No, he's French. So that also Mm. makes it hard. (laughs) Long distance is never easy, but we're very lucky that, you know, I spend a lot of time in France for training and competition. He comes to Australia for, you know, four months during the summer to prepare like many other international athletes do. So we've been able to make that work and, and it's not been too challenging. COVID being the exception, that was tough. But it was interesting that I um, realised one day talking to a girlfriend um, who's also on the tour and we said all the women on tour who have partners are paddlers, like their partners are paddlers, Mm. whereas the men, a lot of them who aren't with, you know, a a female paddler, their partners, you know, they're they're stay-at-home mums with their kids or they come (sighs) along to all the competitions and support them or they have their own careers but they're not in the sport. The percentage was very different. That's so interesting. Do you think it's like a societal thing that men can't play the supporter role? Well, I'm not sure, but it was very evident that the men, you know, obviously they can continue with their career while their partner has looks after a child Mm. or is pregnant, whereas the women, yeah, it just seemed like less had partners who weren't involved in the sport. Wow. That's that's a really interesting... Mm. You have just finished off another incredibly successful year. You backed up after an Olympic year, which I imagine can be a little bit challenging. Why did you decide to come back after winning Olympic gold? For some people, they say, that is my dream. That was your third mm. Olympics. Yeah. So it's not like it was your first one. Um, yeah. You've been consistently the best. Motivation, why Why keep going? Why do you do it? Yeah, I, th- I think it was never on my mind that I would retire after Paris. Sorry, after Tokyo. They all get mixed up. (laughs) It was never on my mind that I would retire after Tokyo. And I think maybe that's why also I didn't struggle so much with the postponement because I knew that I would be continuing on. I know some athletes were planning on retiring, planning on having a break, having a baby, whatever it might be, who found it a lot more challenging. And so I was wondering when I won the C1 gold and achieved that sort of big moment and big dream how Mm. I'd feel on the start line on a world cup like it's Mm. not the same level and I still felt excited and hungry and felt like I had more to give and found different ways of pushing myself and challenging Mm. myself so that definitely makes it easier it's not like I reached the the pinnacle and then went oh well nothing will ever compare again like I think the love of the sport and the enjoyment of racing stays the same for me. Like I line up on the start line and even if I might not feel as motivated in the days leading up to the race, I get on the start line and I'm like, but I don't want anyone else to win. Mm. (laughs) I want to try and win this. I want to try and do the best I can today. I want to try and push my limits and see how close to the boys I can get. So it's been a harder year for sure in terms of a few more challenges, but I've also been experimenting a little bit more and and that's part of the journey too for for Paris. Jess, We have one more question for you and it's how we end all of our interviews because we are so keen to glean as much knowledge and wisdom from our wonderful interviewees as possible. And that is, what advice would you give young athletes who want to pursue a career in professional sport? I would say be prepared to to work hard, but always believe and trust in yourself and your skills and be a sponge. Learn as much as you can from anyone, whether that's in your sport, out of your sport, you know, reach out to people because most of the time they want to help and support mm. and, and give insight if they've got experience. So, yeah, 
be a sponge and, and dare to dream and work hard. Well, we have loved hearing your insights. I feel like Haley and myself have just been giant sponges of your wisdom <laughs> and your smile and all the joy that you bring. So thank you so much for joining us on Here If You Need. Thank you. I can't wait to, to listen in. We'll be back with more Jess Fox in a moment. But first, a message from the wonderful people who made this week's episode of Here If You Need Possible, Golf Australia. When Head of Female Engagement at Golf Australia, Tiffany Cherry, interviewed Olympian Dawn Fraser, she wanted to know what advice she had for young people looking to pursue a career in sport. Here's what she said. I would say go for it. Don't think that you can't. Have a positive attitude of you can. Make sure that you enjoy it. I actually interviewed Dawn Fraser the other day at a golf event in Queensland. So that's what golf does for me. And that was, I mean, I've interviewed some amazing people around the world. And I said to her as a mentor, what do you say to kids that come to you? And she said, number one is enjoy. And I get them to write down the acronym of enjoy and to come up with a word for each. And that is true about what we want to say about golf. So if you want to have a career, it doesn't necessarily have to be as a professional golfer, a touring professional. You can be a vocational, which means you're teaching the game. You can work in golf media. You can work as a superintendent, which is looking after all the greens. You can work in management as a general manager, managing you know some of the most prestigious golf courses in the world. You can work in events. There's so many different opportunities to work in golf. We've actually got, as part of our strategy, the first initiative is being launched this month on November the 19th in Melbourne. So between 2 and 5 p.m. we're encouraging everyone to come down to Sandhurst, which is the learning hub of uh, professional golf, and we've got our Women in Golf Careers Showcase. So there's a number of opportunities for young women and women of all ages to come down and see what golf career is right for them. Some fantastic advice. I certainly feel like taking up golf now. <laughs> Make sure you do. Come on, love. We'll, we'll organise it for you, Kate and Haley. Let's Let's get you out there on the golf course and have a bit of a hit and you can see just what it's all about, what the secret of golf is, because it's awesome. Now, Hales, a career in golf doesn't mean you have to be touring as a professional player. Thank goodness, because I would never make it. But it can mean events management at a golf course, player management. It could also just mean having fun with your mates on a Saturday, which sounds like something I could get into. Pretty much as long as you enjoy it, golf is for you. All golf is golf, and it's for everyone. Golf Australia wants us to know that golf is a sport for life and fun for all women and girls, so why not give it a go? To find out more, have a listen to Even Par. Oh, I love that pun. An Australian sports podcast that's all about making golf fun, engaging and accessible for everyone. So guess what? Have fun. Go play. It's as simple as that. Let's crack in. Here are your Around the Grounds results from the weekend. AFLW semi-final series are officially locked in with Collingwood Magpies winning a thriller over the Bulldogs 40-35. to Over the road in Geelong, North Melbourne won a nail-biter by two points against the Cats 16-14. to Low scores there. 
Yeah, low scores actually, but definite now by out of two points is that's a tough one. The D's have stamped their premiership credentials with a confident 21-point victory over reigning premiers Adelaide in a tough affair at Icon Park. The final score, 48 points to 27. Huge result, really, because the D's came from 40 points down, so massive win for them. And premiership favourites Brisbane did it easy in their qualifying final, cruising to a 17-point victory over Richmond at Queensland's Metricon Stadium. And over to the NRL, Australia's Jillaroos have recorded the biggest victory in Women's Rugby League World Cup history, tearing apart France 92-0 in their second group game. That is an absolute wallop. I almost feel sorry for France, but then I don't because they're French. (laughs) Speaking of NRL, Brisbane Broncos captain Ali Brigginshaw has called on the NRL to finalise a collective bargaining agreement for women's players as a matter of urgency. Now, to put this... Pretty simply, Ali Brigginshaw, one of the most decorated athletes in NRLW, doesn't have a contract for the season ahead. And it's not just Ali, it's most of the NRLW players. So we've got, I think there's like three players that are contracted. The rest of them are sitting in no man's land with no security. And to be fair, like most female sports, a lot of them have other jobs to keep them going. But Don't you just think that's ridiculous? Like, how can one of the best athletes in the game not have their contract sorted? Like, of course she's calling on it to be finalised. And, of course, it's a matter of urgency. Like, get it done. NRLW would have to be one of the very few professional sports in this country that doesn't offer their athletes, who are their biggest asset, yearly contracts. And it's just disgraceful. And I really hope that Ali and the players get this across the line because, like you said, it is a matter of urgency. And the game is not going to progress unless we get on these contracts and up the money. Pay the girls. Come on. Exactly. Up the money. And also, like, you know, young kids going, yeah, I want to play NRLW in my future, but they don't offer contracts and they don't get it done. Like, what's the incentive for young kids to go out and want to be professional athletes when they can't even... Get contracts sorted. Feels like a really good way to get women involved in NRL, which, let's face it, has a pretty checkered past with women in that sport. So come on, guys, get it done. We want to see you get behind Ellie Brigginshaw and the rest of the girls. All right, bit of basketball news. The WNBL season 2022 is officially underway and naturally round one did not disappoint. There was nothing bigger than our good friend of the show, Lauren Jackson, absolutely dominating for her side, the Southside Flyers, getting the win over Adelaide Lightning 99 to 91 and staying behind for almost two hours after the game to sign autographs. Could she be any bigger of a legend? She really couldn't. She just hits every note. Three pointers all the way. In other results from round one, reigning champions Melbourne Boomers defeated Perth Lynx 104 to 88 and Tiffany Mitchell absolutely dominated for the Boomers with a 32-point performance in that game. Huge performance. Mm. Love that from her. Awesome stuff. Moving on to women's cricket. Well, this week, the WBBL launched its First Nation round on Sunday with all eight teams in WBBL to wear Indigenous-themed uniforms, each designed by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists. To start the round, the memory of Cassius Turvey, a young Indigenous teen who was tragically killed last month in an alleged unprovoked attack, was in the minds of everyone when the Perth Scorchers took on the Adelaide Strikers. Cassius, who was 15, was honoured with a minute silence, which also included an incredible barefoot circle featuring more than 150 people, the biggest in Australian cricket history. 
It comes as rallies and vigils continue to take place across the country, calling for an end to racism and the associated violence in Australia following his shock death. The Adelaide Strikers, they went on to beat the Perth Scorchers in this one by seven wickets. And other winners in the round so far were Brisbane Heat and Melbourne Renegades, with plenty more action of the WBBL to come. Let's start off for your Friday, and if you feel like waking up nice and early, it's Australia versus New Zealand at the Rugby League Women's World Cup in Auckland. It's 6.30 Sydney time, 5.30 Brisbane time, and goodness knows what time the rest of the country, but you can watch it on Stan Live or maybe catch up at a more reasonable hour. For those with kids like myself, we'll probably be tuning in at the nice early hour of 6.30 (laughs) a.m. Also on Friday, you can catch the WBBL with the Adelaide Strikers taking on Hobart Hurricanes. In fact, you can watch it all weekend long. There is so much WBBL action. And you can watch all the matches on Foxtel, KO, listen for free on AB Sport Radio. Basically, it's pretty easy to find some WBBL action, so there's no excuse not to tune in. Well, if we take a look at Saturday and moving on to football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, we have Matildas versus Sweden at Amy Park in Melbourne at 2.45pm. Now, it will be broadcast on Network 10 and the 10 Play app, but if you are in Melbourne, get your bums down to Amy Park and go support the Matildas in person. Head to matildas.com.au for more information and tickets. And have a blast. On Sunday, the WNBL, we've got the Melbourne Boomers taking on Adelaide Lightning at 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. We're only in round two, so get into the season early. This is going to be an awesome season. You can catch the game in person at Melbourne Sports Stadium or stream it. Watch it at home on Nine Now. And remember, if you can't get to a game this weekend, you can watch nearly all of our women's professional leagues on Nine Now, KO, Fox Sports, Channel 7 or 7 Plus. Basically, Just have a look online and you should be able to find where to watch it. All right, that's it for our first episode of Here If You Need, where women in sport come first. And God, I had fun, Kate. Did you have fun? So much fun, Hales. I just love talking to Jess Fox. She's such a legend. Loved her story. What an awesome chick. Hey, if you love the chat and love the show as well, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Make sure it's a glowing one. And don't forget to support women in sport by doing your best to catch up on games across the weekend. And if you have a women's sport you want us to cover or an athlete you want us to speak to, we've got some pretty good little black books. But make sure you message us on Instagram at the Mamma Mia Instagram account or you can just, you know, slide into my DMs at Kate underscore Campbell or Haley underscore underscore Willis. Let us know. The double underscore. The double underscore. The double underscore will get you. <laughs> <laughs> and look, if your mates have done something epic, stupid, hilarious, or just straight up embarrassing, slide into our DMs with the story. We love a good yarn. So send us the details and we'll share it with the rest of the country because, hey, that's what friends are for. And also, if you've got someone that or a friend that's done something pretty incredible, we want to hear about that too. Let's celebrate the big achievements. Let's celebrate women's sport and then laugh at each other because those two things go hand in hand. <laughs> Love that. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Here If You Need Today. We'll be back in your ears next week for another episode. The producer of Here If You Need is Susanna Makin. Our executive producer is T.R. Usich with audio production by the wonderful Madeline Juanu.
This podcast was brought to you by Mamma Mia. And if you want more Mamma Mia in your life, become a Mamma Mia subscriber. For as little as $5.75 a month, you'll get unlimited access to our articles, videos, and podcasts. Plus, you'll be helping to fund girls in schools in some of the most disadvantaged countries in the world through our partnership with Room to Read. To find out more, check out the show notes. This episode of Here If You Need was brought to you by Golf Australia.